Welcome to the Target Audience Podcast. Each episode, I discuss a uh, film. <laughs> Each episode, I discuss a film with a guest who shares a personal connection to the film we discuss. They are the target audience, and I attempt to get on their level. This is a podcast about empathy through film. I am your cisgender, straight, white American male host Ben Miller, and I am joined by the not even close to that. Uh, that is uh, the host of the romantic comedy podcast at Pod to Be You on the Talk Film Society Network, the foremost lover of Hindi Simona and Pedro Almodovar, and the writer of the world's best letterbox re- review, Manish Mathur. How you doing, man? Hey, uh, nice to nice to talk with you. Thanks for having me. My absolute pleasure. Um, you know, whenever uh, whenever I've been having guests and they pick their movies, I'm like, oh, that's cool. It really suits you. And then you yeah. pick this movie, and um, <laughs> it's 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 very much not what I expect. But before we get uh, into the film we discussed today, um, as I said, uh, you, you know, you 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 uh, do a podcast about romantic comedies. You do a lot of stuff uh, with uh, with international cinema. But if a film executive wanted to make a movie specifically for you, and said, okay. Manish, I'm going to do whatever you want to do and tailor it exactly to your needs. Um, what would that movie have? Um, what would that movie have? That's a really good question. Um, I like a lot of references to older movies, especially mm. ones that don't get referenced a lot. Um, mm. And I like references that are sort of unique um, and kind of you know, rather than just kind of quote the movie, they kind of take a theme or something and, and expand on it. Um, I like a lot of ambiguity and mm. a lot of moral complexity. Um, and it would probably have just um, some really crackling dialogue. Um, mm. And uh, yeah, and a really uh, eclectic score. I think that's something that I really appreciate movies I, I would try to find, i would try to hire or get someone to produce something that's kind of a little a little different a little mm. um more yeah intense and, and i I, t- I tend to really like um like uh gothic movies mm. um or movies that are just like very um psychological like even if it's not like a psychological thriller or horror movie but just something that's like very like emotionally and 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 uh, and very like emotionally intense and interior because even like romantic comedies like I'm finding the ones that I like the best are the ones that have this level of like ambiguity intensity um, mm. even if they're very funny but they have to have so like I've been finding myself really drawn towards like more complicated thorny romance movies um, mm. as opposed especially as opposed to more like cutesy um standardized like, yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it's yeah. something that I've, I've discovered in, in doing my podcast and I've, I've learned a lot about my own romance preferences <laughs> doing it <laughs> and uh not to uh not to toot our own horn but if you want to talk about 
plucky or uh, offbeat romantic comedies, please go check out uh, It Pod to Be You and listen to the episode on Time You Have Time You Down, where I was the guest. So uh, you want to yeah. talk about you want to talk about a complex, uh, emotional, amb- uh, ambiguous type film that's exactly up your alley. Yeah, and like that that was a major that movie and that conversation that we had was a major like turning point for me in terms of understanding because like that I mean that was like maybe about a year or so into the pandemic Mm -hmm. so I think that's sort of when I was like you know I guess I was going through what a lot of people are going through were just like I my entertainment tastes are are changing and evolving and um so yeah that's kind of like the things that I look for in a movie or, or that I would do if I had any artistic or creative talent now, if we're talking complex and ambiguous, um, that leads perfectly into the film we are discussing today. Um, uh, Manish, the, the film you have chosen today is American Psycho uh, from 2000, uh, directed by Mary Heron, written by Mary Heron and uh, uh, Guinevere Turner, based on the book by Brett Easton Ellis, starring Christian Bale, Willem Dafoe, uh, and a cavalcade of just like, hey, look who's in this movie, Jared yeah. Leto, Josh Lucas, uh, Samantha Mathis, Matt Ross, Bill Sage, Chloe Sevigny, Claire Seymour, Justin Thoreau, uh, and of course, Reese Witherspoon in the most Reese Witherspoon you can possibly imagine. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, Manish, uh, do us a, do the, do the listeners a favor and set up exactly what American Psycho is. Um, yeah. American Psycho is about uh, Patrick Bateman, a very typical Wall Street, 1980s, you know, Reagan era white guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is in, involved in a very um, uh, a very homogenous uh, social circle with a bunch of other white, straight, or seemingly straight <laughs> Wall Street types who work at financial firms but don't really do any work and have a lot of yeah. money. Um, and it's about his um, sort of his like dual personality, um, where he, on one hand, is your very typical you know, Wall Street guy um, trying to fit in and, and trying to, you know, get ahead in terms of being popular, being hip and fitting in, uh, but also has these very violent and sexual impulses that he acts upon. Um, and he, yeah, he uh, murders people and he's uh, at some point eating people. And yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's just about, you know, for me, American Psycho is about, you know, Reagan era consumerism and hopelessness. And uh, it's a very, um, it's a very funny movie to me. Um, yes. Especially, uh, I've, well, I've been watching it, you know, so many times over the last, you know, 20 years or so. Um, and it's become a very, uh, yeah, it's become a very cherished movie for me, especially as I'm getting older. I really have mm. fallen in love with it. Um, and you know, you said earlier that it's a very atypical movie for me to pick. It was not that's not by coincidence. I was going through the movies I wanted to talk to you about, and I'm like, you know, I everyone knows the kind of movies I tweet about all yeah. the time or, yeah. or I watch all the time on Letterboxd. I'm like, I, I want to be a little different and talk about something a I little like bit it. more, uh, a little more out of left field for me. Uh, but you know, I, I think um, as we talk more about this movie, I think what speaks to me about it, it was, has drawn me to it over the years. Um, will become quite clear as to kind of where my own film interests lie. And this movie had a lot to do with my education as a film as a film goer because I 
I watched this movie when I like kind of right around the time I started watching movies seriously. And mm. um, I think even now I'm appreciating its filmmaking technique um, and choices. Um, but yeah, it's American Psycho. Total I classic. Mean, more than so I'd rewatch it. This is the first time I'd rewatch it in a while. And yeah. uh, my wife had never seen it. And I kind of prepped her going into it. And I was like, okay. So I just want you, I, I, I want you to go into it. It's like, okay, it's American Psycho. You know, everybody kind of the Christian Bale with the knife kind of is like, yeah. but that being said, it's a comedy. Now let's yeah. watch this. And and with, with that kind of in mind and the overt satire, there's like, you can, it's, it's a lot easier to get on the level of the film once you understand what the film is up to. Yeah. Like, like initially, whenever... It's kind of like whenever it just kind of jumps into the, just the, you know, the mundane and the, you know, the the typical mid '80s, like you said, Reaganism and and consumerism and all that kind of stuff, and you're just like, man, this is kind of, like, okay, so specifically, what is there like a scene, a line, or a visual from the film that like hits you the most, as far as like, oh, this is the this is this thing is for me. Yes. And I can describe to you the scene almost perfectly because I, I think it's like, <laughs> it's the, to me, it's the key to the movie. Um, and it sets up the whole, what the whole tone and the whole atmosphere that Mary Heron is going for. And this is towards the beginning of the film. Uh, Patrick Bateman is on the streets of New York and he is at a, um, at an intersection and there's a woman next to him, and she looks like she's of his social circle. She's well-dressed. She looks very, you know, she still looks like she works at an art gallery or, mm-hmm. um, but it comes from a very wealthy family, probably went to Vassar or one of those schools. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, he looks at her and she looks at him and he says hello. And she kind of looks away and looks back at him and kind of gives a half smile and then Mary Heron cuts to behind them, um, and across the street, the sign says, you know, don't walk. Um, and <laughs> yeah. there's this, like, eerie, kind of ethereal, choral um, voices on the soundtrack that mm. um, sound religious, but a little menacing. And, um, and the, yeah, the, the sign across the says, don't walk. And, um, and then it changes to walk, and they walk together. Um, and then the uh, there's a quick cut to Patrick Bateman uh, fighting with um, the people at, at the laundromat about blood on his sheets, and you automatically know exactly <laughs> yeah. what happened to this poor woman yeah. without showing it. Um, and uh, I really, to me, that sequence I think tells the whole story of the movie, which is this, you know, kind of wry sense of humor with the walk, don't walk, but then also this thing of like warning the women of New York about Patrick mm. Bateman. And then also this like quick cut that where you know exactly what happened to her, um, yeah. even if you don't see it. Uh, and, uh, you know, that to me, you know, Mary Heron is so clever in how she, you know, uh, uses violence and, and sex in this movie. She uses it very sparingly mm. um, and leaves a lot to the viewer's imagination. Um, mm. Unlike the book, which I have not finished the book because <laughs> there's a certain chapter I could not get past. Which, <laughs> sure. And, you know, it's not actually really a, a well-written book. I mean, this, to me, this is like the er example of movies that are better than the book. Sure. 
Um, not th- I mean, I guess I can't say that because I haven't finished the book, but, you know. I know what you mean. Uh, but yeah. Um, but, you know, the, the way she, she uses, um, you know, the, her ambiguity is that, like, she lets the viewers really imagine what's happening. And to me, that is creepier and more unsettling and more, I think, artistically brave than just, you know, I think how a man would direct this movie, which is to be as graphic as possible. Um, that, that was actually, that was going to be my question, actually. Like, it, this is written by two women, directed by a woman. Like, do you think that, you know, it's 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 fascinating having a film almost almost solely through a male gaze? Yeah. Like, it, it the, the, the Patrick is the sole person in this movie that is focused on. There is no other, like, secondary, like, yeah, the other characters kind of get a little bit of a glimpse, but everything yeah. is done with, with Patrick in mind, essentially. And yeah. uh, having, having a, wh- what are your thoughts about, like, you were talking about, like, a male director, and there were a lot of different names floated around whenever this was kind of in development hell. But I mean, like, if you think about, it, like, what makes this so interesting as a film directed by a woman as opposed to directed by a man? I think, and this is a very broad generalization that might, uh, but I, I think that women are somehow better. I, well, not somehow. I, think I can understand why they're better at making movies about ma- about masculinity and, and toxic masculinity mm. um, than I think men are about either masculinity or you know feminism. Yeah, um, and there's there are a lot of exceptions, of course. Like you know, sure. the, our our fave guy Almodovar, like obviously, obviously, but, yeah. you know, he comes from his you know his movies about women come from a very specific place, which is his you know, yeah. childhood and his yeah. observations about his female relatives. But you know, I, I actually just you know I went to go see Barbie again today. <laughs> um, I went from American Psycho to Barbie, which was kind of a fun little. Oh, Ben, nice little palate cleanser. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. Um, but I'm like, this is also a movie that kind of gets something innate about masculinity that, you know, that Greta Gerwig, you know, is tapping into. Because I, I think, you know, I think women have to, you know, they, they, are, they are forced to participate or be. They're forced to experience patriarchy and masculinity and all that, mm. so they have their own observations of it. And I yeah. and I think that you know men don't really have to experience you know what it's like to live in a woman's world. So we, you know, we might not have that same perception. I mean, some do, of course, but not all. Yeah. And um and and I, I think that American Psycho is very is deceptively a movie about women. You know, I mm. know it's a very male gazy movie. You know, of course, there's a lot of violence against women in this movie, but I think that the, this movie has several, um, several women characters who I don't know how fleshed out they are in the book, but in the movie, I think they become almost the heart and soul of it. You know, when you have, you know, a character like Christy, you know, the, um, the sex worker, you know, you have yes. Elizabeth, who's like kind of the, she's like a Wall Street bro type of the woman. And then you <laughs> yeah. have Evelyn, who is like, you know, like, head in the clouds kind of thing. She's living this like, you know, rich woman's fantasy life and, you know, poor um, uh, Courtney who is like in a drug addicted haze and is, is a, you know, also a victim of this era and of this selfishness and greed of the men around her. And, you know, Jean is also a woman who is trying to, you know, make sense of the world that she's in and trying to climb ahead and trying to, 
figure it out, but she's almost too naive and too innocent and too pure to really actually get affected by it. So you have all these women characters who are, they represent different parts of the 1980s New York mm. scene and different parts of Patrick Bateman too. Um, and I think that, I don't, I don't know that if a male director would have kind of picked up on all these different women and how they relate to Patrick. And I, and I think that's the key to having, you know, Guinevere Turner and Mary Heron, you know, writing and directing this movie, um, because I think they really, you know, they found this feminist satire uh, in the in, in the story and were able to flesh it out and do it in a way that, you know, in a very like fight clubby type way, have a lot yeah. of men misunderstand this movie for you know decades. I mean, even I did when I first saw it. Um, and see, and that, that, that was going to be my, older. Yeah, that was that was going to be my next statement. It was just like you know, this is. This is uh, this film and Fight Club are probably the two films more than any other who've been absurd yeah. by the wrong people. Like yeah. the people who love, 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 love this movie are the wrong people to love this movie. Like yeah. they don't they don't understand. Like no, no, no. The movie knows Patrick is not a good person. Never makes him out to be a good person, and never makes him even redeemable. In the if, like. In the fact, the what the last line of the film, I, this confession means nothing. Yeah. Like my life, essentially, so like my life will continue. Nothing. What have we actually learned? We've actually learned nothing about like yeah. this guy besides the general vanity of it. I think the the big joke of this movie for me is that Patrick Bateman is like the biggest dork, and no one seems to even like him. <laughs> yeah, in the social circle. Like this is kind of my my take on the movie and. Um, he's not hip. He's not getting into the best restaurants. His business card is ugly, at least compared to the other ones in, in his mind. You know, he got his job through his dad, who owns the company. Like, um, he's not really dating the best girl. You know, like, all these things and the way that he um, seems to... Um, I think the way that in, the way that he seems to act like he's, like, you know, so cool or whatever. It's all just this mask that's just going to like chip away at any second or fall away mm. at any second. I mean, even the music he listens to is very dorky. It's very dorky. Um, like you know, like I mean, we I love Whitney Houston, but you know, and and um, her, his yeah. his friend makes fun of him for it. it's like you exactly and like Houston, you know, like... <laughs> and it's I mean it's you know I mean I think at the time Whitney Houston was probably a bit more appreciated by you know, people of color and the LGBTQ yeah. community, but nef- definitely not his milieu. So, and, and Phil Collins um, yeah. and Phil Collins and Huey Lewis, same thing. And this like, is like cheesy eighties music, you know, cheesy eighties music. Um, yeah, exactly. Like the greatest love of all. It's a great song, but it's very cheesy, very eighties. And so I think that like, that's sort of the big to me, like the, 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 the secret to this movie is that, like all these guys that grew up idolizing Patrick Bateman and want and repeated his catchphrases and whatever, including me. I yeah. I had a I had a t-shirt, Ben, that said feed me a stray cat. <laughs> um, which is embarrassing to think about now. Cause like I'm not even like, you know, I'm not even like a bro type, you know, but this movie just has it this movie's just so quotable and so catchy and so addicting that like I've been uh, yeah, I've been know. going up I've been going up to people just casually going, hey. You like Phil Collins? Just, right, exactly. Just, it's 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 very easy to, and you know, it's it's funny, especially these days. This film is probably one of the most memed films in history. Like yeah. there's there's the 
there's the him pointing there's the uh the at the at the dinner there's the stupid bastard there's the him walking with the headphones there's there's a dozen memes just of this film it's uh, it's it's it wasn't that successful to be as as essentially remembered as it is it's kind of surprising and i think a lot of it has to do with christian bale yeah and um the the main thing is i was watching this movie i'm like man you want to talk about a guy who is he thinks he's the perfect human being and then you have christian bale there's like jeez it is disgusting how good looking and in shape he is and it's uh, as i watched it again i was like okay yeah it's his best performance I don't know. I don't know if uh, how, how you feel on that front, but uh, I mean, yeah, it's. I, I I mean, I guess I would say so. It's definitely for me like a top three. Yeah, um, and uh, it's definitely my favorite movie that he's been in. My favorite performance from him, just because I, I for a movie that for for a role in which he had to like you know, build this, like, perfect Adonis body and look so cool and wear these, like, amazing outfits and stuff. Like, he actually, it's, it's a very um, uh, unvain performance. Like, there's, like, a, a lack of vanity in it in that, yes. like, how he is so um, just, like, like I said, like, such a big dork. And he's so, like, like nervy and he's so, like, desperate and, like, it's just, it's just like, so much flop sweat coming from him. I, uh, you know, at all know, times, like, you know, like he just has that feeling yeah. of someone who's just like, you know, on the brink of a, of a complete nervous breakdown if someone says something to him the wrong way. And then as he goes like full throttle in like the climax, I mean, mm. one of my favorite scenes is the whole sequence with like Christy and Elizabeth and that whole like cannibalistic threesome. And then, you know, you have him chasing Christy throughout this like house of horrors, which has all these rooms you didn't even know were there and she's finding all these bodies and he chases her down the stairs completely naked holding a um uh chainsaw which is yeah (laughs) it's just funny because it's such a like phallic metaphor yeah of course Um, and he's like covered in blood like totally naked except for like white sneakers and a chainsaw and then he throws a chainsaw down at her it somehow Um, works yeah it somehow (laughs) works it's it's scary it's a little funny it it reminds me of like these amazing like gothic horror movies where you have this like thin white lady running in, in rooms and with a candelabra trying to get out. Um, it's just like, it's so perfect. In it. And I think his performance is so compelling because he just is, he just goes for it. And like, that's, and that's what Christian Bale is known for, of course, like going for it and like putting his everything into these movies and, and really just like, you know, losing weight, gaining weight, you know, whatever he has to. But I, I think in this movie, it's such a, it's such a powerful tool for him because it allows this like complete abandon for these like more wild moments. And he sells them in all the different tones that he's supposed to. You know, you, you had mentioned Barbie and I kind of, I, I didn't make this comparison. I'm going to compare Christian Bale in American Psycho to Ryan Gosling and Barbie. Mm-hmm. Like the absolute... Yeah commitment to what they're doing and at, at any point for either actor if any point they kind of look at the camera and like i got i i i'm winking at it. i know what's up yeah. i know it's like no no yeah. that ruins the whole facade and they yeah. just kind of commit so fully to the bit and are so in tune with what the movie wants them to do that 
that is the selling point for everything essentially because their commitment to it like you said like he is he sells the vanity and he's like okay you okay the next scene you're gonna have a chainsaw naked your butt ass naked covered in blood going down this thing and it's like sure and it's like oh by the way this girl's gonna kick you in the face and you're gonna be furious that she kicked you in the face and you're like that 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 in and of itself that little scene like it's it's such a little thing that i always it always really sticks with me because it's like you are trying to murder this woman and she kicks you in the face and you're like how dare you got me in the face like it's such a such a level of vanity and and you know obviously we're 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 too young to really live and remember the 80s but the amount of touchstones of kind of the decadence of wall street investing in the eighties and kind of all before it came crashing down is kind of all of air apparent in this film. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's just, yeah, there's a, there's so much to get to there. There's so much depth to this film that is, as I said, and once you just see it as kind of a comedy. Now my, my, my next question was going to be, do you feel this is, this film's more broad minded and hits you specifically or is it meant for a more specialized audience? And I think we've kind of answered the question being like this. I, I think you have to understand this movie to misunderstand. It is probably a bad thing. Yeah. You have to watch it with the right mindset. Mm. Um, and I agree. I, I think this movie has a lot of broad pleasures to it. I mean, it, it's, mm. you know, it is, it's funny. It's, it's scary. It has some, you know, really iconic lines and scenes. I mean, every scene mm. is so quotable. Um, mm. um, I'm pretty sure that I had, like, I have to go return from videotapes on a, like, AIM <laughs> away message or something. You know, like, it just has that, it just has that, like, quality to it. Um, but I think that you really have to, yeah, like, um, I, I have a friend who just hates this movie. And, um, you know, like, I'm... I asked, you know, I was like, you know, what, what is it about this movie that you don't like? Because to me, it feels like the reasons you hate it are actually like virtues of the movie and part yeah. of the like satire that, you know, they're, they're trying to pull off. And, mm. you know, I think his, his answer was something along the lines of like, yeah, but like a really annoying people like it. And so if, you know, if your fans are, um, <laughs> you know, like taking the movie the wrong way, then is it really as successful? And, mm. I, and I think that that's a good, fair question. Mm. Um, but I think that, um, you know, this, I think it's, it's the same in Fight Club, which I also think of as a very comedic movie about, yeah. um, I mean, actually I would even say Fight Club is a romance, is a romance yeah. um, on some yeah. level. And, um, I, I, it's, it's about toxic masculinity and, and it's about just like the very fragile egos that men have and how that is destructive and, mm. um, you know, you could say like, well, we don't need more movies like that. But I think with like Barbie and American Psycho and Fight Club and like Five Days of Summer and, and stuff like that, you know, I think those are just really strong depictions of it that mm. take a lot of time to um, highlight the effect that it can have on, on women around them too. And, and so I, I feel like, you know, with American Psycho, you have to, as you're saying, just like watch it with the right mindset and just be able to appreciate it on the level of satire that it's providing. Yeah. So, 
So uh, as uh, just a rough estimation, how many times have you seen this film? Oh God! I mean, it's like <laughs> one of those movies I watched so many times in college. I don't remember. Okay, I'm, I'm just checking my letterbox to see, which is not totally accurate because I sure. sometimes will not log a lot. Sure. On letterbox, I've seen it only four times. So okay, but I'm definitely it's been more than that. Yeah. So I would say around like a dozen to maybe fifteen. Okay, so you have a very qualified uh, yeah. <laughs> opinion on this film. So, you know, I, I just I just want your opinion of the supporting performances. Uh, who do you think is the best of the supporting Ooh, actors oh. in this film? Uh, I'm not sure really... I have a. I'm not sure I have a complete answer. It's kind of like ah, you know, like there's uh, you know, you could talk me into Chloe Sevigny. You could talk yeah. me into Willem Dafoe. Um, I mean, there's everybody just kind of suits everything of what they need to be, and I think also there's a little bit of uh, hilarious um, qu- uh, casting with a oh, Willem Dafoe is going to be uh, is is actually the straight man investigating a psychopath. Yeah, it's like it's like having Willem Dafoe being Willem Dafoe and having the persona into this film and he's like as straight laced as anybody is always kind of like a fun little thing. I saw one of your letterbox reviews. You're like, man, he is really good in this movie. I love Melinda film this movie. And a lot of it is just sort of the, the clever editing that they use in the film. Yes. Um, you know, in the investigation scene, how they like, I'm sure you, you know, this is like such a famous story, but yeah, they, uh, they shot this, they shot all of his scenes three times. Uh, one is if he knows that Bateman is the killer. The other is if he doesn't, he thinks that Bateman isn't the killer. And the third one where he's not quite sure. And they edited those three takes together. And so you really never know what is happening with Will Defoe. The fact that, that he could play all these scenes mm-hmm. in like on those, in those three different lenses is wild yeah. to me. Yeah. You know, and, and, and do it so convincingly that you actually have no idea what he actually thinks. It's, yeah. And there are, it's, it's fun playing. It's, it's fun watching that, knowing that's the case. Cause you watch it and you're like, ah, he knows that one. It's like, I don't yeah. know about that one. Like, Oh no, he definitely is like, like it's, it's yeah. He's such a good actor and kind of throws that in there. Uh, also shout out to Reese Witherspoon, knowing exactly what she needs to be doing in this film. Yeah. It's like she is, and, and, you know, you think of Reese Witherspoon and you're like, well, yeah, he's like, you kind of, it's like stunt casting. It's like, this is before Legally Blonde. This is before any of that stuff. Like, she's this just kind of like. I think right after election. Yeah. So, I mean, this is, it's yeah. not exactly I mean, the film you expect her to be in. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, to answer your question, because, you know, I, I was just looking at the list and I'm like, there's like, I mean, you can make a case for anyone. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm going to be a little, um, a little off. Uh, base here and go a little offbeat here and say Kara Seymour who plays Christine. Great choice. Great choice. Just because I think she she and an actress named Krista Sutton who plays Sabrina, you know, the two of them, I mean, Guinevere Turner is Elizabeth as well, but I think the, you know, these three actresses who get the brunt of the most violent scenes of the movie, um, I, I, you know, I, I want to give them a shout out because especially Kara Seymour because um, it's it's like, you know, she has to play the horror of it so genuinely and authentically, mm. even if there's a little bit of a sense of humor in these, like, murder scenes. And, and you know, like, like we're saying with, like, the chainsaw being, like, the phallic metaphor and whatever. Yeah. 
she still has to play it completely real and it's hard. And like, you know, she goes through a lot in the film and, you know, I hope to God that she felt comfortable and was, mm-hmm. you know, felt very safe and respected during that. I can't imagine she wasn't, but yeah. um, you know, it's just such a, it's such an intense performance. And I especially love to see the second time that he pulls up to her in the limo. Um, and she's like, I don't, you know, she's like, I don't want to go with you because of what she experienced the last time. Yeah. And um, I think that it is, um, it's her, her performance is so subtle because you can, you can see the calculations that she's doing of like, I need the money, yep. you know? Um, and, you know, he's, she's saying all the right things to get me back, but I'm also terrified, but also like, I need the money. And like, oh, maybe like it won't be, maybe he does have this driver with him, so he can't hurt yeah. her. Or if he's mm-hmm. calling someone else who's a friend, maybe he won't hurt me again. And um, and just the way she like walks out of the apartment actually the first time when she's like limping out, actually the both of them are, um, it's uh, yeah, quite quite something. And uh, my, fa- my favorite line of the movie is, look this, oh God, it's so embarrassing this is, but when he says, <laughs> Sabrina, don't just stare at it, eat it. For some reason, that line makes you laugh. It really is. I mean, it's... <laughs> it's it... <laughs> you, you gotta love it. And I'm like, you know what? That line was written by a woman, so I feel comfortable laughing. Yeah, um, right. Because I'm sure it was meant to be funny and not, like, degrading. Um, <laughs> but that, that is a wonderful line. And I, I love those two sequences. I mean, that sounds so depraved to say, but I think they're so um, so smartly and elegantly filmed. Um and they provide, like, to me, that's the high point of how this movie balances a ch- the tricky act of being funny and scary and, um, you know, finding a way to find the satire, even in, even in depicting something that's very, like, degrading and humiliating. Yeah. And, and uh, uh, I know this is an audio medium, and you don't actually see our video on this, uh, yeah. but I did think about coming on the camera and being like this and pointing at you. <laughs> just, just to, just to really, just to really sell the point of trying to get on the vibe of this film. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I agree with you on Kara. Like even the little things she does, like, like you said, whenever she was leaving, the way she snaps at the money, and yeah. she's like, ah, and she's like, obviously she's not happy about it and everything. Like, it's just, yeah. It, I, I, I really like that choice, and uh, it's a, like you said, kind of out there, but a, but one that I get on board with. Um, so we've talked a lot about kind of the, the, the misunderstanding of this film, but when it comes to venturing outside of your target audience and kind of going towards this film, what do you want that audience to understand going into it? Like besides the satire? Um, I think that this is a really smart movie about, um, men in particular, um, I've once have, I've, I host this like queer movie meetup every month and, mm. um, it's just like me and like eight people that I know that come every week. We, I pick a movie, we talk about it. Um, and I, I picked American Psycho last October and, um, I was like, look, this movie isn't like queer. You know, there is, mm. you know, you know, Lewis who is, you know, struggling with his sexuality to say the least, yeah. but. I was like, the reason why I think this movie is queer is that it's because it's about these men who are so consumed with what other men think about, especially Patrick. He's so consumed mm-hmm. with what other men think about him that to me that reads as like homoerotic. 
yeah. the fact that these men all look the same and are so interchangeable that no one ever quite knows who they had dinner with or you know who they met with. Um, in fact, one of my favorite things about the movie is that um, you actually don't even really genuinely don't know if Patrick killed anyone or who he killed because yeah. these men are just so you know they're so interchangeable. They're you know they're not uh, they're not irreplaceable. Um, and to me, like I find that this movie has a very strong homoerotic quality in that sense. Mm-hmm. And of course, you have Patrick Bateman who looks like you know like a um, you know like a Greek, a Greek god. god or yeah. you know like. <laughs> Um, and that he's so focused on his body and his looks and his like daytime or his like morning routine and stuff. And, you know, not that it's, you know, I'm not saying that that stuff is like, you know, gay, but there is something very, um, it's, to me, there's something very queer coded about it in the sense of like, I don't think he's not doing it for Evelyn or for Courtney or for Jean or even for Christy, you know, he's doing it for the men and for himself. And to Mm -hmm. me, that feels very like, you know, there just seems to be something there. You know, I'm not saying he's secretly gay or whatever. I just think that like the the prison the the filmmaking in this movie to me, especially because you know Guinevere Turner is you know she's a lesbian. I don't mm. quite know Mary Heron. I don't believe she is or not. I don't believe she is. I, I don't think she is. But um, the the fact that this movie is made by, written by a co-written by a queer woman to mm. me suggests a little bit more thoughtfulness around you know like homoerotic undertones in the movie now i wasn't as convincing as i liked on that meetup i don't think people really bought that <laughs> and they were like this movie's about a man who like you know murders women i don't think that's gay but yeah i just think there's something there and, and i i, I want and i'd love to hear you know i i was trying to find you know any kind of queer coded analysis of this movie and there's some stuff there that that's kind of yeah. where i found this thesis from, but um, definitely not a widespread opinion. But I do think that, you know, if, if you're, you know, if you're a queer person, you think this movie is just like very like, you know, toxic heterosexuality. Mm-hmm. I really think that there's something there um, for us in, in its queerness. Um, to me, this feels like a queer movie. I think just in its aesthetic, if, if anything, and sort of like kitschy, campy take on the 1980s. Yeah. Um, that, but yeah, fascinating too. I love that. I love the idea of that. Like, like obviously, I cannot come from that perspective and yeah. say like, oh yeah, absolutely. But I mean, just the idea of approaching it in that way and presenting those ideas is always really fascinating. Um, before we uh, before we move on to the last couple of questions, is there anything? I I know you could you could uh, wax poetic about American Psycho for some time, but is there anything Honestly. else you want to mention? You, anything else you want to mention yeah. before we uh, go on? Um, you know, like there was a long list of actors that were in consideration yeah. for this movie. Um, I think Leonardo DiCaprio in 2000, no. Leonardo DiCaprio now, no. yes. Um, I think like Wolf of Wall Street, Leo could do it because that's also a very... Um, uh, a very uh, fearless performance uh, that mm. has no vanity to it, but also is very vain. It's like, yeah, it has that same kind of balance to it. But I think, yeah, like 20 years ago, Leo, no, for sure. He was too baby faced. Um, but uh, so it's just funny to think about all those like alternate realities. You know, I think Tom Cruise was attached at some point. I cannot imagine that. I mean, that'd be so wild. Um, but I, I really think that this is, you know, a, 
I think a like defining role for Christian Bale. And I don't think we would have gotten Batman or the fighter or, um, you know, anything else that he's done, you know, the big short, I don't think he would, I don't think we would have gotten that without gotten all those performances without this one, because to me, this launched him into this whole new stratosphere of, you know, dedication to his performance or to his character, his like willingness to change his body. And also just his like complete fearlessness on camera. Yeah, I agree. It's it's uh, it's like you said. It's such a vain performance without vanity. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's such a. This it's, whole uh, movie is just like finding these like tricky balances and really yeah. walking the line, you know, yeah. so perfectly. I agree. Um, fascinating film. If you haven't seen it, uh, go check it out. It's on Peacock. Uh, if you are so inclined, I'm sure it is available to rent. The, it's very available. Um, the 4K disc of this movie is gorgeous. As I'm there you go, there you go. By all means, uh, we are uh, we're more than willing to pimp out any uh, physical yeah. media as well. Um, all right. Uh, so before we go, uh, Manish, give me a film where, uh, on the flip side, give me a film where you are not the target audience outside of American Psycho. They kind of hit you in a specific way that you think you're like, okay, well, that's I'm not the target audience for that, but man, that's right up my alley. Um, Robert Eggers, The Northman. Oh! Um, <laughs> which I, I knew that I would like the movie, but um, it has actually taken over my life where I've seen it like six times in the last <laughs> year and a half. And That's a lot of time. Watched, That's a long movie. <laughs> I, I, I saw it twice in theaters, and I've seen it like so many times. I've watched it with a commentary. I've watched it like on vacation. I've watched it just like, um, I think I watched it like when I was at my boyfriend's office like babysitting his puppy um, <laughs> on the computer like I just like I, it's such a I don't know why I'm so like obsessed with it but if for some reason it just really hit me and I and like whenever I watch it I have to like tweet about it for like three days later because it's just like I to me it's such a like it's such a it's such a it's such a vibe it's a meme it's 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 moment I just like love the Northmen it's like I honestly I thought it, I wish I, I know that it made a lot of money in like, you know, VOD and stuff, but yeah. I wish that it had become more of a like box office hit because I think it's actually like, but things like I understand why, because it's not actually as like violent and like action-y. Yeah. It's actually a very yeah. like thoughtful movie about like the futility of revenge. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, it actually doesn't really have like, to me it has like, actually very sad ending, even yeah. though, you know, whatever he gets what he wants but i think it's all for nothing yeah. um but yeah so the northman has definitely moved your house kind of go, yeah like i'll watch it like robert egger is like i i think after i after i saw the northman i re-watched the lighthouse and that, it really hit for me but at the time not into the lighthouse not really into the mm-hmm. witch but i was like you know he's a talent obviously like you know yeah. we love scars guard nicole kidman of course um but it actually became like wow this is like this could be my favorite movie of the year <laughs> So I love the Northman. Great choice. Great choice. I, I'm all about it. Um, definitely, a, a, definitely a Manish classic that you would not expect. <laughs> all right. So before we go, just just to give our if uh, if our listeners don't know Manish, give us two or three other films that kind of describe you as a film goer. Like, yes. if you want to get into Manish's head, what are the films that are going to be the ones to get into? All about my mother. Yes. Yes. Um, Vertigo, directed by Alfred Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. And uh, Life of Pi, directed by Ang Lee. 
Yes, very, very. Uh, uh, if, if if anybody knows Manish, nobody's surprised <laughs> at this. Yeah. Uh, uh, but 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 regardless, uh, excellent choices. Uh, uh, all all excellent movies across the board. Um, and uh, I mean, check out everything Manish has because he is uh, he is nothing if not prolific at uh, expressing a, expressing interesting opinions and uh, diving deep onto things that uh, you don't necessarily expect him to dive into. Um, yeah. So uh, before uh, that just about does it for this episode of target audience. Thank you all so very much for joining us. Manish plug, whatever you'd like to plug. I know you got, you got a big episode coming up for uh, pod to be you. Correct. Yes. Uh, well, first of all, Ben, thanks so much for having me. This is so much fun. I love this concept uh, as a podcast. And um, I also love the opportunity to talk about movies that I normally don't get to talk about. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, so I host a podcast called A Pod to Be You, which is about romance movies. Um, and uh, I right now I'm doing a miniseries on queer romance. Uh, which has included movies like My Beautiful Laundrette, Carol, Desert Hearts, uh, Bros, um, uh, God's Own Country, and uh, ending the miniseries with Brokeback Mountain, directed by the aforementioned Ang Lee. Uh, My favorite queer film, probably another movie that defines me. Um, And uh, yeah, so I'm looking forward to that because um, that episode is kind of, it's a little different in that I actually asked someone to interview me um, mm. As a guest host, because um, I didn't want I didn't want anyone else to claim Brookback as their favorite. Yeah. I wanted to claim it for myself, um, <laughs> so I did that. And then after uh, after that wraps up, I'm going to be doing a mini series on sports romances, uh, movies like Rocky and Bull Durham and uh, Tin Cup, which uh, I, uh, Ben, I, I believe I'm I'm going to have you on for that. It's, Fine by me. So, I love to. Uh, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm uh, I'm excited about that because that that'll be a lot of fun. I I like to say that I don't like sports, but I like sports movies. So yeah, um, and especially I find that they are secretly a very good romance genre. Very um, true. There, there's always a, a there's always a person on the sidelines cheering them on. Yes. Um, so yeah, but uh, you can find me on Twitter at vertigay three one four. I refuse to use the name X. Um, and also you can follow the podcast there at a pod to be you and it's available on all major podcast platforms, uh, found on the talk film society network. Uh, thank you again for, uh, thank you again, Manish, for being on. You can follow me. You can follow me on Twitter at Neb is Ben on letterbox at Neb is Ben on Instagram at Neb dot is Ben. Check out my website, icecreamforfreaks.com. You can follow my other writings on the film experience of cinema scholars. You can also find me guesting on other pods such as this pod to be you, uh, as I am the David Thewlis of podcasting, please follow the podcast on Twitter at target odd pod and enjoy the show wherever you get your podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Get out of your bubble, expand your horizons and just watch more movies. Stone.